Osiris. Hi, this is Lucas Nelson with Promise of the Real, and the podcast you're listening to is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Sign up for the newsletter at OsirisPod.com to stay in the loop. Welcome into episode 91 of the Bluest Tape. I am Harvey Couch and uh, Jeff Kolath not with me again this week. He is uh, tending to his newborn and traveling the country with his family, but uh, have an able stand-in in in an old friend of the podcast, Mr. Sam Holt. Sam, thanks for joining us. Hey, Harvey. Good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Um, So... You picked out some some really good tunes to listen to this week, and I want to get to that. But um, want to kind of catch up on what's going on in your world. And I know um, I talked about it last week, just to, to let the people know. But I know you got uh, some shows coming up. Do you want to? Should we we get into that a little bit? Sure, man. Um, so on August tenth uh, at Terminal West in Atlanta. Uh, we're doing a the Sam Holt band doing a remembering Mikey show, which will be you know centered around Michael Hauser and his music and uh, mainly and it's that date will be the seventeenth anniversary of his passing. Man, that seems unbelievable. I know, you know, man. I know it's shocking when I say it out loud. Um, but anyway, so that night will be pretty special. We are also trying to wait, raise awareness and some funds for a new music program that has started at Nucci's in Athens, which is a great nonprofit uh, place in Athens, Georgia, that helps musicians and the community. And it's just a really spectacular thing that it that it is. And I encourage everyone to go check out Nucci's, N-U-C-I-S dot org and see what they're all about. But they have started a music program for fourth and fifth grade uh, elementary school kids called the Mikey Hauser preempt music program. And basically it's uh, a way to get kids that have never played an instrument or could be intimidated by, you know, an instrument or just having no experience with uh, music it, it'll be aimed at them to try to get them uh, comfortable or if they want to play an instrument, you know, it, it'll be available to them. I know they've done it once this spring and apparently it was really successful. And I was speaking to Mike's wife, Barbette, about it. And um, she thought, and I thought too, it would be a good idea to use this show to, to kind of raise some awareness for that. And and I've got my good friend JT Lucchese doing a poster that uh, we will we will sell at the show, and proceeds from the poster sales will go to go to that program. Yeah, you sent me uh, a picture of that poster, and it is it is a quite fine poster, if I say so myself. Uh, yeah, JT's uh, great. He did a good job. I think people will dig it. 
So, uh, Terminal West, have you played there before? We have played there. We played there. Uh, Panic was playing the Fox New Year's last year and the year before, and we played there later, you know, at night yeah. uh, after the Panic shows. And it's a really cool venue. It's it's set up for performance. It's good PA, good stage, good lighting. And uh, we're also going to probably have a few items and do some kind of silent auction. I'm not exactly sure what's going to be there, but I I feel confident there'll be some cool items there. People can come bid on, and again, the proceeds will go to that music fund or the Mikey Hauser preempt music program. I would encourage anybody listening to you know to donate to that. But an even better way to support that would be to go see live music at the same time. So I mean, you talk yeah. about two birds, one stone, right? Yeah, and uh, it'll be. I don't know exactly what's going to be there, but um, I, I do encourage, like you said, everyone to come out as if you can make it and you're, you know, into that kind of thing. And I think it'll be a really cool, cool night. Do you, um, so we can get a little inside baseball. I mean, are you, you know, as we record this, we're almost, I guess about three weeks out. Have you started formulating a set list in your mind or is that, is this way too early? Is this like a, night of kind of situation oh it's it's definitely not a night of for a night like this i mean we'll we'll uh we'll hit some stuff off the sandbox album um in the spring this year we played that song humpy galumpy a couple times oh, I, liked, nice. I liked playing that one uh you know that was one that uh, was just mike and his guitar doing a demo so we we took that and ran with it a little bit, kind nice. of made made an arrangement of it. So I think we'll play that one and the songs that he wrote, you know, that are the big ones. Uh, probably like "Ain't Life Grand," they're playing, and dig a little deeper, maybe in some instrumentals that that didn't get played much. There's one from '90 called "Sun Keep" that I really like. Mm-hmm. That they only played in 1990. That's a really cool instrumental. And we'll just see there. I'm sure there'll be some other stuff popping up. You know, I have a few songs that, that were inspired by Mike, uh, that I kind of wrote about him too. So those will probably be in there too. I know that, you know, you're, um, I mean, you know, I'm not a musician, so I guess I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I'll just talk anyway. Um, I mean, I, I know that you're not like, as, you know, as active, right. As you, you were maybe earlier when you were doing that formation thing right. or, or dirty birds. But I mean, I would assume that, you know, songwriting is something that doesn't go away, you know, and that, that songs come to you, um, whenever, you know, whenever they <laughs> appear. Yeah. Right. And so, so that kind of stuff pops up, right. It does. And it's, it's for me, it's, it's weird. Like I'll see, I went and saw this that Trey Anastasio uh, movie called Between oh, nice. Between, yeah. Between Me and My Mind the other night, and I was mm-hmm. I, I walked out of there inspired, and I was like, man, I want to go write a song, and I definitely <laughs> have some ideas, and I'll hear phrases that someone else will say, or I hear one on TV or like something in that movie. I remember jotting down like on my phone something that he said in that movie. I was like, that's really cool. I wonder if you know, and then I'll for me, I'll have this list of just random phrases or stuff that I've written down that I thought sounded cool. And sometimes those will join together and come together with some kind of music that I've been just strumming on or working on. And, and, uh, 
so it definitely enters my mind to inspiration does happen and it they do the songs just appear it is weird yeah. that way like they i think they're out there already they just kind of right. try to find a conduit right um so so then that is august 10th in atlanta and then yes you, you announced a couple more shows later in august too right? that's right after uh in nashville on august 23rd and 24th which is the friday and saturday night we're playing the mercy lounge in nashville um and that'll be after Panic at the Ryman, um, which will probably be really cool. The Ryman is so cool. But we're going to be playing late night after those two nights. And I believe the Mercy Lounge is probably half a mile from from the Ryman. So that'll be a, that should be fun. Yeah. And that'll be Sam Holton Friends featuring Cameron Williams, who was Cameron was in a band called Tishomingo and great friend and awesome guitarist and singer. So it's not going to be like a, a sit down acoustic, you know, you're not going to follow, follow panic's lead in these no. shows with the rhyming, right? No, we're not going to do that. We're going to rock. We're going <laughs> to. <laughs> so for, gonna... those, for those folks in Nashville that need a rock show, that's, that's where right. you need to go. Right? If you need to feel a kick drum and an electric guitar in your face, uh, you can come get it at the mercy lounge. Um, Cool. And so then I can't remember if we, and I apologize if we talked about this last time, it's been a while. Um, your, did, did we compare your rig to, to Mikey's? I know you, there's some similarities, right? Well, I, maybe we didn't cover this last time, but you know, he, the rig I play was Mikey's. Um, oh, wow. I have his Saldano amplifier and his Mesa boogie speaker cabinet and a few of his pedals. Oh. Um, yeah, no, we definitely didn't because I would have remembered that. I mean, no, oh, we okay. talked about him. we talked yeah. about his rig, right, and like what he did, but I don't. Think okay, we got into yours, so, so which is I guess his. So that's awesome. The last time I saw him, when we were discussing what to do with all his gear, and we he 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 basically told me to take one of the, you know one of his amps, and and he said, you know, will you play it? And I said, yeah, and he goes, well, I want you, I want you to take it then. And that was pretty intense at the time, but I have used that thing quite a bit over the years since then. And and I really like playing through it. And I just, I, you know, can be really special to hear that, hear that tone coming through those, those speakers sometimes. Oh yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Um, okay, cool. Anything else new going on? Do you, you, you want to share with the people? Got, I mean, man i don't think it, so huh? we're constantly okay. we're just concentrating on these shows coming up and uh trying to wa- raise some awareness for that new music program at new cheese cool um okay so um in advance of this show I, I tasked you with with picking out some some of uh Yes. I don't even know. Some some gems, I guess is what I would maybe say from, from <laughs> yeah. the past. Because we got into some stuff last time and you you know, you pointed out a few eras that were kind of special to your heart and um and so um I don't I wanna play I don't wanna get too deep into the weeds, but maybe we can kinda talk high level about, you know, maybe what uh what drove these choices. Okay. Which one you got you got up first? So so um first we're gonna play a couple segments from the Georgia Theater. The first one being uh, Halloween nineteen ninety, and then the second being uh Halloween Eve, I guess, uh nineteen ninety two. Okay. So, um so tell us a little bit about these these shows. Well the I think I was asked you to 
play the dog song from 1990, which is mm-hmm. Halloween 1990. Um, we had just gotten into taping that summer. So we had brought some sure SM 57s, which were very amateurish mics, but we had them. And I believe we were the only people there recording. And that night was just off the hook. It was intense, scary, you know, panic at its, at its biggest and scariest to me at that point. And the dog song that night was just one of my favorites. It is, uh, it's an arrangement that they only played in 1990. They brought it back in 92. Um, it was like a totally different arrangement. In yeah, I think they neutered the dog when they brought it back. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, it's just so balls out in the 90 version. It's like borderline mm-hmm. heavy metal. And like on this version, mm-hmm. you can just, just hear JB getting so into it, you know, and he's like wagging my tail, knocking shit over. Mm-hmm. Just really intense. And then the, I think I asked you to play the machine bar stools from the 103092. And, and man, it is, it is the first time I, I remember hearing him say anything about the satisfied rap at the end of bar stools. Yeah. And it's really great. And I, f- I felt like during that point of the bar stools at the end, when they were just trying to, just to see what was going to happen. I think everyone in the theater was just waiting to see what was in the moment going to happen from moment to moment. Cause it was, it seemed so fresh and new. And, and I think JB was as surprised as anyone that that stuff was coming out of him. Yeah. And, just and riding the wave. Right. Yeah. I really think so. And it's just an intense machine bar stools as well. So, um, so a little bit of, of taping history here, um, to come full circle. The, yeah. The 103092 uh, source is the, is a knack 300 by a, by JT. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that, that's the source for the 92 show. And then, cool. uh, there are, I actually have, there are two different sources for the 90 sh- for that 90 show. One being okay. your, your, uh, SM 57s into a D six, I think. Yes. That's, that's what it says. Us. That was us. And, and then, uh, there's another source of, uh, roadie K twos into some cassette. Really? That, uh, yeah, that 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 um, surfaced from Michael Wilker at some point. Wow, I don't know that's that he cool. I don't know that he taped it, but somebody did. That's so, interesting. Um, I don't remember seeing another taper there that night, but you know, who knows? I would love yeah. to. I should. I want to compare them. Actually, now that you say that, I want to hear them. Yeah. Um, so so there's your there's your uh, taper taper talk, um, and uh, so let's. Uh, I want to talk a little bit. I want to follow up on some of the stuff you said, but. But let's okay. get to the music first, and sure. then um, we'll uh, we'll chat about that and, and move on to some other stuff. So, uh, okay, man. First things first, we'll do uh, Halloween 1990, um, just a nasty dog song from the George Theater.
heard uh, two segments spooky segments from uh the georgia theater october 31st 1990 uh 1990 with the dog song and then october 30th 1992 uh machine bar stools with a satisfied uh inside and um yeah i know last time we talked you were you were big big on the 1990 train and um i would say this is a good good example of of what that band was like huh yeah, um, yeah, that's when I really was started getting super exposed to them and going to see shows, and and I was you know young, still working my way through college, early years, and just had graduated high school and getting on to music in a different way. And obviously there was the Grateful Dead, but that was seemed so massive and you know un, not unattainable. Like I, I went and saw them, but you know panic, I could go into a club and literally go up and talk to them or have that experience in a place that held, you know, 300 people or whatever. Um, and it, you know, really in 90, it was so raw, but they, they did have a lot of their stuff worked out. Like I know Wrangler was probably pretty much worked out at that point. You know, Mike had all his parts down and, and Todd had all his parts down and, and obviously like the jams would, get longer as the years go on they found cooler stuff but you know they were solid by 90 they had it going Mm -hmm. on like they had a definitely had their thing down and i was really i mean it was when it was time to go it was all mike honestly because you know there was no keyboard player yet and they relied on him and they did till the end honestly Mm -hmm. um because he really carried the bus right he really did drive the i mean they all did at times but man Mm -hmm. when it was was go time i mean it was was obviously obvious he was getting the ball so what uh where were you were you where were you living in october 1990 i was in chattanooga okay yeah so you make the trip to athens for for shows yeah i remember that show that halloween 90 show we went and saw it taped it and then drove back to Chattanooga and listened to it on the way back in the car. Oh man, there's nothing better than that, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, we were some good times, man. We were we were dedicated, and you know, it was it was weird because we could go do that a lot, and uh, we were very lucky to to be able to go do that. Like Sunny, there's this this tape from uh, Asheville, Sunny's Bistro which was just some small club. We, I remember we did that the same thing like a couple months later and went to Murfreesboro to main street to see him, which was another small club. And they just played around a lot. And it was just in the right place at the right time to get turned on to them. So were you, um, 
were you running like stereo SM57s or is it a single mic? It was, uh, we had two 57s and then we kind of got upgraded in, I remember in like early, probably summer of 91, we got DAT machines, these Casio DAT machines. So starting in like nine, maybe summer of 91, uh, summer to late, late summer to early fall, we got DAT machines. So we started, we had these 57s, which are very pedestrian microphones if anyone knows what mm-hmm. those are it's kind of like vocal mics or you make a snare drum with them they're not really for recording but they're they're pretty flexible right i mean they, i mean you, they know, work. you could have used worse worse i mean they could be we worse could've. right yeah <laughs> and then we ended up getting some uh, akg 460s in uh probably early 92 i know some of the first tapes we made with them were like 31492 at the Georgia mm. theater mm-hmm. and then a bunch of 90 from then on, we had four sixties into a dat machine and we ran those pretty, pretty consistently in 92, 93, 94, 95, 96. And then I kind of just dropped off after 96. I would still go and see them, as, but didn't really record them as much. Um, and so man, like, like those 10, 30, 92, it sounded incredible in the Georgia theater that night, like those shows. And, uh, yeah, there's some really good recordings of that that time period. Everybody was getting like better mics, like J, like you said, JT had those Nakamichi 300s. Those are pretty pretty mm-hmm. solid mics too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can recall those uh, that Halloween like 10:30 and 10:31. Like when I was collecting cassette tapes, like that they were good enough that that you could get a third generation cassette tape and it still sounds pretty good. So that was always a good sign. <laughs> yeah, and the Georgia Theater, you know, you're close enough where it's set up kind of the same now, but it was different then. And there was like three rows of seats right in front of the soundboard. And that's kind of where you set up and you're probably 30 feet from the stage. And, you know, they aim your mics at the left and right side of the PA and hope, hopefully Wes, who was mixing was on that night. And he was not too many drunk people around. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if it sounds good in the room, you're going to get a good sound and tape. And especially in a room like that, that was not dead, but it was, you know, didn't have a bunch of reflective services and, and people in there to soak up some of the reflection, too. So uh, the, some notes on the show from 1990 was the first Pusher Man and the first uh, Way to the World. OK. That the band played. Uh, and then they brought back the Last Dance opener, which is, you know. Yes. Fantastic. It was. That was the first one uh, since, at least according to the Everyday Companions, since 1988. So oh, okay. about two years since yeah. uh, they brought that back. So you could see they were already starting to uh, sort of embrace the the treats for Halloween yeah. um, theme, you know, uh, even that early on. And then obviously, 1992, the night after the thing we just played was when, when yeah. it got all kinds of rowdy. Um, what were the were the crowd? I mean, I imagine ninety two that it was good that it was sold out. Was yeah. was ninety was ninety full? Or? I feel like it was pretty packed on the floor, but I don't think it was sold out. I mean, it was definitely okay. a lot of people there, but I know mm-hmm. there was still room to move around and stuff and uh, to to change gears on that show. I was if if anyone listens to that dog song and like wants to hear the rest of the show. I encourage you to do it. There's some crazy stuff going on in that show. The last dance opener, uh, the pusher into machine bar stools is intense. Like I was literally scared 
in that room that night, listen to that it's, stuff. It's, it's, it's not even that. It's pusher impossible machine bar oh, stools. Yes, even even, <laughs> even better. More. Yes, and then yeah, gilded splinters after that. Yes, so it was uh, heavy duty. Um, and I do. I remember during uh, the chili water, the beginning of chili water might go so off the charts before the first verse that I was just like, holy crap. You know, he was pushing it all the way up to like the top of the fretboard. And then the first mm-hmm. verse comes in. It's like, wow. And then yeah. I also remember at the end of Chili, like JB's fumbling for the last lyrics. And Dave was dressed as a woman. That was his costume. And JB <laughs> goes, I can't stop. Stop looking at Dave because he looks so good. And it was just, <laughs> I mean, just off the chain, man. I, That's awesome. I encourage any fans that like to hear that to please listen to that. Yeah. Um, and then the, uh, the 1992, um, we played the machine bar stools, which was, um, mid first set, you know, yeah. and, uh, that, that's show was, was pretty much front to back. Really, really good. Um, but a couple of things that, that stuck out to me one, um, you know, this is, this is early, uh, Jojo time, right. Yes. I mean, he's been with the band for less than a year and, um, you can, he's just, I don't know. He seems so active in 92. Yeah. I don't know if it's a lot of it. It's like that he's playing a lot of piano or, you know, um, not, not like seating into the background playing organ lines or anything like that. But right. um, yeah, it was, it was, that's fun. I remember in the, when it breaks down to like the satisfied rap or whatever, like that part of the bar stools, he hooks on this one lick and just starts repeating it over and over. And I just remember thinking that was really, really cool and adding to the, the song at that point. Um, well, I've got you. This is something that's always stuck out to me about bar stools since you're, since you're the, you know, guitar guy for the band. Um, so this is the only song that Mikey played slide on, right? Well, he plays slide on all time low. Okay. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. party at mom's. Okay. That is, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess, yeah. I, I guess, I guess as like such an old person, like those seem like new songs. So yes. I was thinking oh, more like tra- traditional catalog, it. right? Yeah. Yeah. So forever Barstool's is the only song that he played. Uh, yeah. slide and, on. and what he did with that, with those, that guitar part in Barstool's is so minimal, but God, it is so huge, man. It is yeah. integral to that song and it says so much and it's intense and it's literally like, two notes alternating back and forth a lot of the time, but man, it's, it's great. It's the signature of the song. And so, yeah. I mean, I guess then my question is like, how, how do you, you know, play hundreds of songs? And then that's the only one that you, I mean, it's just like that. It was so unique to that song that, yeah. that it would never be done <laughs> for anything else. I don't yeah. know. It seems weird. I don't know. Um, man. I, that's okay. a good question. I would never asked him that. And then, so then the other part of that, which is, I think, unique in, in that song, is that you get a, a JB guitar solo, you know, t- traditionally yes. uh, at the end of the bar stool. So um, I know there are, there are a handful of other songs where he where he throws that in, but um, yeah, what I mean, I don't know. I always that's always like one part of that song that I really enjoy, you know, like look forward to when it starts to be like. Where's JB going to go with the solo? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so cool, man. You know, he's such an unorthodox guitar player that is so cool to see him open up like that and get that space uh, to be able uh, to express himself. Cause 
I used to love that part because Mike is just hammering those chords, and then right. you know Dave and and Todd will lock into that that basically I you know don't don't and they'll just lock into that, and there's just so much space for JB to go crazy. Um, and then, like you mentioned, he they drop into the satisfied rap, um, which is early, not the first one, according to Everyday Companion. I think okay. they had done it about a year prior, but it definitely seemed when I first heard it, I was like, "Man, is this the first one?" Because it seemed, you know, new and fresh, and yeah. and not not like the same that that we hear later in the you know later years. Yeah, I just I remember him saying like just some crazy stuff during and he was at one point he's like i'm talking to my friends now you know and in the heat of the moment i'm just like god this is the greatest thing i've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> and it and yeah just listen i just encourage everyone to listen to that that's if you're a fan i think you would have a, a good experience as somebody that's been on stage for something like that i mean is that I mean, do you are you waiting for that to happen? I mean, I'm assuming it's not like mapped out in the set list that, that there's going to be a satisfied rap. You just kind of like find that groove. And then if JB decides to, to yeah. take that step, then you just kind of go along with it. Or Man, I, I honestly think he's as, he's as surprised as anyone. I don't think he's like <laughs> right, thinking right. about it. He's literally an open yeah. channel up there. And right. yeah, I think that's one of the, things that makes them so great that people can latch onto is the the intention is like, there's no pre conceived anything other than maybe the set list. But I mean, just to see what the music's going to, you know, where it's going to take them or what, what, what's going to happen. You know, I heard him one time saying like, you know, he was there, someone was asking him about, uh, I can't remember what song, but he was like, well, you know, it just depends on the night, the characters, how the characters reveal themselves. And I think that's mm-hmm. true. You know, I don't think he's, I think he's just trying to be in the moment and, and let it happen. And, and I always thought when I was, you know, playing with him, like if something happened like that, I was like psyched because I was like, oh yeah, we're probably playing pretty good for him to be, that, <laughs> him to be that, uh, you know, free to be able to just right. let something come out like that. I always yeah. like that. Nice. Um, okay. So, uh, are we ready to move on to the next segment of music? Yeah, I guess we Anything should, else? we can move on or we could talk about that for another hour and a half, I guess, really. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, we got a couple bits here from, from mid nineties. The, the first, well, the first one was the last one that you, the, that you dropped on me today, which was okay. a great pick, which was this, uh, July 27, 1994, um, of, uh, of analyze and fishwater from, um, who's down on the beach somewhere. Pensacola, right? it was, yeah, I think. Pensacola, yeah. 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 Um, and, and then after that, the was something I think you were listening to when we were talking, you know, setting this up. You're yeah. you just listening to the Soak Mountain show, uh, 62896, which is, yes. um, you know, I don't know, it's just really for me, you know, summer 96, you're just right in the sweet spot of <laughs> where man, this band was just, just firing. I would know. have a hard time arguing with that, man, especially after I listened to that the other day, but we can. We can talk about it now. We can talk about it after the after it's played or whatever. Yeah. But, well, let's I, before we get in, like just a little bit on. Um, I mean, do you know much about the the history of of analyze and then and I guess having a ball maybe needs to be in that conversation too a little yeah. bit. It's just like 
all in that string in July 94. Yeah, man, um, I really don't know. Um, I picture this night, I just think Dave started playing a bass line and they all just kind of jump on it. And uh, then JB started saying some crazy, crazy stuff and it just turned into something huge. And then it segued into fish water, which was filled with very intense uh, dynamics. Is I don't know. It's it was. I know we can talk about it after the point, but I know Dave was trying to start make sense, and Mike and Todd would not. Yeah, do it. that was that definitely that stuck out to me because it was like clearly that's yeah. Dave was riding that for a while. Yeah, and, and that, you know some of some of that tension, I think builds and and makes for some of the greatest music and is and is an integral part of widespread's panics dynamic back then which was tension you know it wasn't always mm-hmm. hey we love everything it's like some intense stuff going on yeah okay cool so so we're gonna first we're gonna play that bit from uh from july 27 94 and then we'll play the segment from uh june 28th 96 and okay. then uh We'll, uh, we'll come back and talk a little bit. Oh, yes. Enjoy this.
Birmingham. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you to everything for playing with us tonight.
All right, July 27th, 1994 from uh, Bayfront in Pensacola, Florida, and then June 28th, 1996 from Oak Mountain in Pelham, Alabama. Uh, first was Analyze into Fishwater and then Wrangler into Disco. And um, man, just looking at the songs that we play, we're, we're playing this week, I mean, you pretty much nailed. I mean, this is <laughs> some pretty, pretty choice selections, not just, you know, playing, but the song, they're a good one. Well, I mean, that's what this podcast is for, right? right. But I, you know, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, everybody takes away their own things from, you know, shows. There's no right or wrong. I just really like these these songs that we're listening to. I just really, they, they struck a chord with me. They stuck out in my mind. I was I was at, at all these shows, like that, the one that was the Pensacola, the Analyze into Fishwater. I, I remember going like, JB said something about like you ate all the hot dogs while I was staring in the alleyway and I was just like what what is going on up there man and like it was just very intense and uh the snare drum Mike's guitar Dave's bass and JB's vocal were huge sounding and and just really awesome and uh then as you know you can hear they try to go Dave tries to start make sense for at least like a, a minute. minute at least yeah. a minute <laughs> and mike and todd will not follow him and finally when they do all succumb to fish water it is so intense and huge that it sent i remember sending chills up my spine and i remember after the set like dave was pretty he was visibly pissed when he was walking off the stage and uh i don't you know not super pissed but i think that some of that tension between those guys back then made for some their most interesting music to me anyway i know that they probably forgot about that stuff pretty quick but there was definitely moments of some you know darkness getting in there and not in a negative way but definitely you know definitely like you with a yeah with a family member or sibling or something right sure it pisses you off sometimes exactly Um, i don't i don't understand how i mean it would be one thing if they you know didn't want to go into make sense. Like they weren't ready to go into make sense. And then like two minutes later they did, but then like he just had to give up. Yes. It's going to make sense. And it's just like, all right, well, I guess we're just go down the line and yeah. now it's fish water. Yeah. Todd and Mike crazy. would not do it, man. They would just yeah. said no basically. And, uh, <laughs> and you can hear that in the playing, man. You can hear like, like the, when they peak the fish water, it sounds like stuff's about to break. Yeah. Um, it's great. I love it. Well, I can they played. Look, yeah. They play some great shows in Pensacola too. Like I'm just looking back through the years. Um, that 97 show was great. 716, and then the 428.99, and then okay. obviously they're they're playing there yeah. uh, next month yeah. too. So it's like they must, you know, those things happen for a reason. I think they don't just you know randomly select. Yeah, I mean, maybe they do, but it just seems like it seems like the band gets inspired in certain places. Yeah, I would agree with that. And there's no you can't really put your finger on it. It just kind of happens, mm-hmm. you know, obviously mm-hmm. red rocks or something. It's nature's yeah. nature's well, being, on, being on the beach is pretty nice too. Yes. I concur. Um, so, uh, where are we? Okay. So you were, you're at the 94 show and then yes. you're, you're at the, and it, no, this is, this is what I want to mention. You talked about like, you know, these things sticking out to you, but like I find, you know, as, as we do this podcast and like, you know, this is our 91st. So we've like 
played a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have a long way to go. There's, I don't know where we'll get to, we'll ever get to the end, but you yeah. know, I mean, we played a lot of stuff. And so like, you know, sometimes we'll have a theme or whatever. And so I'll listen to a bunch of shows that, that I'd never heard before. And that's fun and exciting to like discover yeah. new stuff. But then there are times when it's like, all right, well, I want to pick this from this one show. And I know exactly what I want to play because I wore out this part of the tape when yeah. I first got it, you know, and that stuff is is always true. You know what I mean? Like there's sure. never, uh, if it was something that stuck out to me 20 years ago, then it's still going to resonate today. And so it's cool. It seemed like some of these choices for you are, are that way. Oh man, absolutely. Every one of them. Um, and then we were talking about, um, that the Oak mountain show, the Wrangler into disco. And it, I was listening, I was in my car the other day and, uh, I was putting on the re-listen app, which is awesome, by the way. Thank you, Panic Stream. Thank you, re-listen app. Thank you, all the people who do that. Um, and it was like this day in history for Panic was 628-96 Oak Mountain. And I was like, oh, man, I remember that show. That was, I love that show. And so I just clicked it and listened to the Wrangler and the disco. And, and there's just something so right about when that Wrangler hits. You can just tell it's on. It's one of those nights in the segue into disco, Todd and Mike, Todd and Mike just keep like playing with it going, okay, let's yeah. just go another four bars and see what happens. No, well, let's go more. Let's go four more and see what happens. And Todd, Todd is like the only drummer that could really like do that stuff. Uh, those segues with them. It was, it was just almost mm-hmm. inherent, you know, and, mm-hmm. and natural for them to do stuff like that. And he could lead that, lead those segues so beautifully. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, um, you know, uh, basketball players that have played together for a long time, right? Like they, sure. they know where, where they're going to go or, you know, yeah. uh, sort of like second sense. So, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that whole show honestly is like, is one, you know, one of my favorites that that's six twenty eight ninety six. 96. There's, there's nothing bad about it. <laughs> I mean, that whole second set is, is massive and you have yeah. Blackman on there at the end. That's right. The proving ground is the proving ground is crazy. And yeah. Arlene is massive. And it's just, yeah. I think so. I remember them starting that Arlene late. In the, I, I recall it as late in the second set. I don't know when it was, but it seemed like it was late in the show. And I think I was thinking, wow, this is, this is really great. They're, they're stretching out like this. Cause I don't think Arlene was in much of a rotation at that point. Maybe it was, but, um, no, I mean, it was, uh, it was, I, I think about, you know, back then it was maybe an every 10 or 15, you yeah. know, once or twice a tour kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was good times. Um, okay. So, um, we have, we have one more segment, but it's a longer one. And I think we're just going to probably like play it out. Sure. Uh, so, so, but there's a few, few more things I want to, um, want to hit on with you first. Can, can we re- tell everybody about, about your shows that you got coming up? Yes, yes, yes. We'll hit that again. Uh, so August 10th in at Terminal West in Atlanta, Georgia, it is the 17th anniversary of Michael Hauser's passing. And we are doing a remembering Mikey show. Uh, the Sam Holt band is. And we are going to use that show to raise some awareness and some proceeds uh, for a new music program through Nucci's Space in Athens. And it's called the Mikey Hauser Preempt Music Program. And it's aimed at uh, fourth and fifth grade students, uh, elementary school students who may not have had a chance to play a musical instrument before or, you know, 
have not been in a music program or possibly intimidated by uh, a music program or something. This is this will be aimed at kids who have never had any experience and. I encourage people to check out nucis.org, N-U-C-I-S.org. They are a wonderful organization, nonprofit based in Athens, Georgia. Uh, so there's that. And then we got two shows in Nashville at the Mercy Lounge. It'll be Sam Holt and Friends featuring Cameron Williams, who was used to be in Tishomingo, fantastic guitar player and singer. And those will be after the panic at the rhyme in the first two nights. So we won't start till probably 11 ish, 1130 ish after the shows. And it's pretty close to the rhyme. And so I hope you guys can make it down there. It should be fun. Yeah. And after full set uh, or full show of, of acoustic mellow panic, then it'll be good to get over there and, and listen to some rock and roll. Yes. And they, they'll, they serve liquor as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, um, I want to get to this last segment, but there's, I had a couple other things that I wanted yeah, to ask man. you about that I hadn't gotten to. So, um, so, and, and last time that you came on, which was damn near a year ago, uh, we were talking about, uh, an archive release that you, I guess, kind of helped curate, which was the Knoxville 95 show. And, um, we were all, all fired up about, you know, Sam's picks and all the great things that were going to come. And since then there haven't been any archive releases. And, and I know that, you know, you you don't necessarily have, um, I mean, you don't, you don't know what the plans the band has, but, but just to sort of let everybody know, you know, there's nothing imminent and, and, but you're ready and willing and, uh, and hopeful. Yes. I mean, I have reached out to the, to their management and, and said, Hey, I would love to pick another show to be mixed down and released if, if the opportunity ever comes up again. Um, and hopefully that'll happen. Um, I, I don't know when that could happen. I know that, uh, they have several things either in the pipeline or they're working on other things, but I don't know what they are. So hopefully hopefully we'll get a chance to do that again, but I'm very happy and grateful that I got to do the one. Basically I just picked the show, which was nine twenty eight ninety five uh, from Knoxville. It's one of my favorites. One of those shows that stuck out to me as well. The playing was insane. So I encourage everyone to go listen to that, but yeah, hopefully we'll get something will happen. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. Do you have like a, do you have like a list of 10 that would be like your, 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 uh, universe of choices for your, if one, you had another opportunity? One that has stuck in my mind and it is another Tennessee show. So I don't know if they would want to put out another Tennessee show, but it is Murfreesboro 42801. And there is not a great audience recording that I'm aware of. That's a big, you know, uh, uh, basketball arena. And mm-hmm. I don't think the tapers were that close and, and others, you know, people don't think about it as much, but it, I, it's November. I can't remember the date, but it's November, but it's Syracuse landmark theater. And it was a really interesting show. The set list is nothing well, crazy. Six, there you go. 11, six. Uh, but the playing is really spectacular. I remember being seeing seeing things that night i was like wow i've never seen that before um and i don't know there's others for sure okay, well i don't want i don't i don't want you to give them all away yeah. i was just i was yeah. just curious um 
Okay. So, and then, you know, I just had a couple, a couple other things. One would be, what was the last, uh, what was the last show that you attended? Not as a, not as a participant. Um, oh, I went to see, I went to see Dead and Company last month. Okay. That was the most recent. I saw David Byrne last year. That was really cool too. How did you, how did you like Dead and Company? Man, it was, it, it was okay. I didn't love it. It was, yeah. But. Right. It was fine. I was in right? the same room as Bob Weir. You know, that's yeah. <laughs> that's what I went there could for. Be worse, could be worse ways to spend a night. O'Teal right? is awesome. I'll say mm-hmm. that. Yeah, there's worse ways to spend the night. Lakewood's not my and I saw him at Lakewood in Atlanta, which isn't my favorite place, but whatever, man. I'm gl- I'm glad I went. It, it was an experience for sure. Um okay, and then my last thing is and I've been meaning to ask uh this is just something that, that sticks in my head, and and I figured this is a good you're a good person to ask about, especially with Jeff having just had his second child. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, music's a big part of your life, and you've got a, a daughter; she's five, right? Yes. And so, like, how how important is music in her life, and how do you? I mean, how do you introduce music that she will appreciate? That you know, I mean, obviously, you're not going to play like. In, in a silent way for her or something. I mean, right. it has to be like accessible. You want it to be something that she enjoys and maybe, yeah. I mean, because then it's like the thing I've noticed with my kids is like, they really like catchy music, like yeah. things that have repeating, you know, like repeated refrains and things like that. They can kind yeah. of get their, get their heads around. But like, I don't even, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, my, my approach, I guess is just to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. But I didn't know if you had, if you had figured it out or anything, things out, you know, you're more professional than I am. Man, I just kind of have stuff playing around the house or in the car. Oh. She she's definitely into Megan Trainer. She loves some Megan okay. Trainer. Her name is Hayden, and uh, maybe she'll listen to this someday. So <laughs> so I love you, Hayden. Um, she likes. I've heard her singing "Fire on the Mountain," okay. um, but uh, she's she's she just went to a music camp. Uh, the past couple weeks and she was really interested in getting a pick for her guitar. And so she'll sit around and play the guitar, just open strings open and try to sing like makeup songs, which I think is awesome. And I've just started like, I'll play, like I'll have my guitar out when she does that and I'll just play a note or two. I don't try to take over. I'll just like play (laughs) one note just to let her know, Hey, we could do this together. You know, Mm -hmm. that might sound neat. But uh, man, music's so pervasive. I just think that so it's just full exposure. So that's yeah, yeah. Okay. And, well, so that I'm doing it the right way. Then I don't need to. Yeah, I like I overthink it though because I'm like I want them to I want to play songs that they like and then you know reinforce yeah. that. But I guess it's really just 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 exposure. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Cool. So um, the last thing we got is something from uh 2000 2000 right july 22nd yes 2000 now had, had you joined the crew yes right before, okay all right this this is a show that definitely sticks out to me um i'd been i'd been on the road with them probably three weeks at this point i can't remember exactly but maybe less were anyway there, were you there for the warfield fourth no. of july no. Okay, so, so, so after, after that. that, so then, yeah, so it's like two weeks maybe. Yeah. So I was pretty, pretty new, pretty green. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And this show sticks out because it was a weird venue, right? I mean, it was like kind of in the middle of downtown. Yeah. Right. And it was a gravel or concrete (laughs) parking lot with chain link fence around it. But Uh man, it was a great show. I, you know, I was a fan going in. I didn't try to let on too much when I got that gig, but I mean, it it became evident, but I, I wasn't like dancing or anything. I definitely had my game face on and and trying Mm -hmm. to do the best I could for those guys. Um, but that second set, I remember one thing that sticks out is the end of Love Tractor. The heights that they pushed that to yeah. were yeah. were unbelievable to me. I'm mean, even sitting there on the side of the stage going, I cannot believe that they're going going off this much. But it, it really was a a friend of mine that, that I was working with the crew. We, we recently talked about this show, and this is one of the reasons I picked it. And he was my friend Chris Raybold, who was a uh, – production manager ended up mixing panic and now he does mm-hmm. a lot of other large bands but he was he was driving a couple of weeks ago and he was like tell me a show to listen to while i'm driving i got a long drive ahead of me and i was like remember that show in columbus ohio and i was like listen to that one man there's some good stuff going on there and then he like texted me like an hour later and the way he described <laughs> the way he described it was the music is running itself and they're just hanging on. And I was like, that is a good good way to describe it. Yeah. It's really a great, I think a great moment. Fleeting moments. I wrote down in my note for, uh, on that love tractor was, I wrote damn relentless. Yeah. I mean, it just, you know, it just seemed like Hauser wasn't stopping. Yeah. Um, The jam out of Waker was really great too. Into rock to start that set. Um, and it's two Mike songs, almost uh, what's what Waker Rock, this part of town. So yeah. mm-hmm. Mike, Mike centric a little bit, which I really yeah. like. Uh, but those, I remember that day pretty well. It was definitely just a big parking lot, but they turned it into the Taj Mahal for all I, for all I know. So, um, so we're, you know, as we leave, we're going to play the, the first part of the first set uh, up till drums, but second I mean, set. The second set, yeah, yeah. Yes. second set up till drums, but I mean the post drums isn't isn't too yeah. shabby either. Oh, I mean, it's great. So, so the first set's a uh, Waker Rock, this part of town, and then Chili Love Tractor into drums, and then out of drums, Astronomy Domine, One Kind Favor, and then closing out Chili Water, and then Tall Boy Cream Puff Four to close things out. So that's a uh, it's pretty good stuff. Yeah. No, I don't know if this is true, but Dave Dave told me that it's pronounced astronomy domini. It's supposed to rhyme. So oh, okay. I don't, I don't well, know. Hey, that's, well, what he, that's what he told me. It's yeah. fine with me. Uh, yeah. I've, it's now changed. <laughs> um, the the other story that I wanted to share, one of uh of some buddies of mine went to the show uh and um they always joked that they they threw a bag of like camellia red beans on the stage right at the beginning of encore and it like exploded and the red beans went everywhere. And Man. then the band proceeded to play red beans. I believe it. City of dreams. I believe it. I don't, <laughs> I don't deny that. I like, I, I right. crazy stuff happens, man. I, you don't and, have recollection of having to clean like <sighs> red beans out of, out of like the volume pedal or anything. I, not out of the volume pedal, but if I think about it, I kind of can, cause I can picture that parking lot and I picture like mm-hmm. some stuff at that, that night. So, yeah, uh, I I believe it, I believe it. So um, so that's what we'll uh we'll leave things off with uh this this episode. Um, Sam, as always, appreciate your uh yeah, willingness man. to come on and and nerd out. Um, it's, oh, it's I love always it. fun. I want to come back. I'm sure we could talk talk for hours. 
anytime and um and yeah definitely folks get out and uh and see see sam when he plays uh august 10th at the terminal west in atlanta and then august 22nd and 23rd is it friday 20, and saturday 23rd and t- i think it, it is friday and saturday i think it's 23rd okay. and 24th but yeah okay down in nashville so um should be good times and uh and we'll we'll hope to see you on the road and and we'll talk to you again soon cool man thank you all right take care everybody uh this right here is from july 22nd 2000 at the the quote-unquote brewery district pavilion or uh fenced in parking lot in columbus ohio
Osiris. 